0: Hey
1: everyone, welcome to Pieces of You,
0: a show about life through the lens of four fierce and resilient women who lost their moms
2: too damn soon. Each episode will feature stories to inspire hope, healing, and connection. Because
3: if we work together, we can make the broken better.
2: Hello, it's Sarah here. Last episode was the very first of our four-part series on the mother wound where we unpacked and discussed the concept of the mother wound in relation to our own stories. Don't worry if you didn't get a chance to catch that episode just yet. I'll give a brief recap of what we mean when we say mother wound at the beginning of this episode. But today, we are going to be diving into part two of the series, where we'll be focusing on the concept of values in the context of the mother wound. Our next episode will focus on body image, And finally, we'll tie it all together with our final episode, The Aftermath. All right, now before we get started, I wanted to remind our listeners that this episode contains a content warning related to the topic of mother loss. Please check the show notes for a more detailed description. Before we dive in, I just want to say welcome to all my lovely co-hosts. How are you doing this morning? Good.
1: Feeling ready. Excited have no idea what we're going to get into, so I'm excited.
2: Good. All right. Talkative group. Let's dive in. (laughs) Well, and to be
3: upfront, we talked for a long time before we started, but Erin, I see,
2: did you have something?
3: Oh, no. I was just saying, I'm looking forward to this. I'm really enjoying this Mother Wound series and like diving into all of it. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well,
2: like I said, it's me, Sarah. I'm hosting. It is my first time hosting in season two, and I am so excited and also extremely nervous as usual. I was actually just reflecting yesterday on how transparent I am about my anxiety and whether this is helpful or not. Part of me feels self-conscious for sharing it so openly, like there's this voice that's like, oh, you're being dramatic, relax, no one else is this nervous. But of course, that is not usually very helpful. And so instead, I name it. And my intentionality around sharing how I experience the fear in my body, I really do want that to be an important reminder that it's okay to feel scared. In fact, I now know that fear and excitement mixed together are one of the most magical combinations in which so much growth and innovation often takes place. And so here I am, heart pounding, armpit dripping, and yet I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So. I think that's honestly another beautiful way to heal trauma is choosing discomfort on our own terms and then kind of practicing sitting at the edge of what feels like our limits only to prove we are capable of going so much further than we think. And that is evidenced right here in this podcast. So now that I got that off my chest, I'm going to be even more vulnerable. This is really scary and hard for me to talk about, but I do think it's important My co-hosts already know what I'm about to share, and I do think that I did mention this in the first episode of season two, but my father passed away uh, this past December from several health complications, some new and some old, and ultimately it was COVID that expedited his death. My family and I ended up saying goodbye to him over Zoom uh, while he was unconscious in a hospital room, and it was really hard and is bringing up a lot that i'm trying to create space to sit with and process but i'm going to be honest it is really hard and preparing for hosting this episode felt impossible and now i can see why it's like sharing all of this scary and painful and yet like it's scary and painful to share but it's it's also like i feel this sense of comfort and relief knowing i'm not holding this alone And I guess you could say I'm sharing my story in hopes it will make the broken better. Okay, now let's move on to the topic of this episode. Again, thank you all so much for giving me the space to put that out there. But today we are gathered to explore and unpack what is the third installment of our Mother Wound series, and that is focusing on values. I want to provide just a brief refresher on what we mean when we say Mother Wound, In this context, we are referring to the intergenerational pain of being a woman. And furthermore, looking at how that pain is passed down through generations of women in a patriarchal culture such as our own. And so I am going to provide links to the sources that I'm drawing a lot of this from. But I was really intrigued by a blog that I found by a woman named Bethany Webster. And I want to read a couple of excerpts from that. It's called Mother Wound Healing, Why It's Crucial for Women. So in this post, there's a lot here, but what really stuck out to me was when she said, in our patriarchal male-dominated culture, women are conditioned to think of themselves as less than, as not deserving or worthy. This feeling of less than has been internalized and passed down through countless generations of women. The cultural atmosphere of female oppression puts daughters in a double bind. Simply put, if a daughter internalizes her mother's unconscious beliefs, which is some subtle form of, I'm not good enough, then she has her mother's approval, but has in some way betrayed herself and her potential. However, if she doesn't internalize her mother's unconscious beliefs in her own limitations, but rather affirms her own power and potential, She is aware that her mother may unconsciously see this as a personal rejection. The daughter doesn't want to risk losing her mother's love and approval, so internalizing these limiting unconscious beliefs is a form of loyalty and emotional survival for the daughter. She says it may actually feel dangerous in that sense for a woman to actualize her full potential because it may mean risking some form of rejection by her mother. There's so much laid out here, which is why, again, I want to make this accessible to whoever's interested. The link will be in the show notes. Some of the ways the mother wound manifests, she says, is not being your full self because you don't want to threaten others, having a high tolerance for poor treatment from others, emotional caretaking, feeling competitive with other women, self-sabotage, being overly rigid and dominating, or conditions such as eating disorders, depression, and addictions. There is so much here to think about, and that's why we are breaking this up into a four-part series. Looking at value, specifically in the context of the mother wound, we're really honing in on what our mothers communicated was important to us through their actions, beliefs, etc. As you're listening to this, You know, you can take a moment to reflect on just that, asking yourself, what did I learn from my mother about what's important in life? And how does that inform my experience of the world in the present? I have my own personal examples. I know I'm throwing a lot out there. I want to hear from all of you around your reactions. Has anything come up? from what I've said so far that you just want to get out there before I ask some more specific questions or even share my own experience? I feel like the loyalty choice of words was really interesting because I
0: did not want my mom to be mad at me. And I just wanted to like make her happy and do anything so that there was like, yeah, there was a loyalty there. And even in like social situations when I could tell somebody was acting a certain way that I knew my mom wouldn't like, it made me so uncomfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. But I wanted
0: them to like adjust themselves to make my mom happy too, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And now I do, I mean, going back to like the parenting thing, I do see my oldest trying to make me happy and she was really intuitive. Maybe not intuitive is the right word, but she's really aware of her surroundings and really I think understands me and is trying and and I don't want her to have to like please me but I, I see that happening in my own household
2: isn't that interesting yeah I wonder how much of it is you know related to this wounding you know the mother wound we're talking about and also just a child's survival instinct to want to be loved and cared for by your parents and take you know I remember as a kid just Wanting, you know, kids are always like, "Look at me! Look at me! Watch! Watch! Watch me do this!" They just want to be seen and and cared about. And if you're happy, it's all good. And I also wanted to be older.
0: I wanted to show her that I was mature. Mm. Yeah, I was a child, but I could be at her level, so I could be in those adult conversations because I like to know what the what the skinny was. Like I would sit at the end of my door and listen to my mom and her friends talking maybe
1: that's a normal thing. I know that's kind of cute, huh? It is sweet. I was just going to ask, maybe not explicit, but was there a message that you felt was being sent to you that you needed to have approval from her? I'm just curious that because it sounds like it was such a strong desire for you. Sarah said, I think some of that is just normal for kids. But I, I just am curious if you feel like there was something specific that you were sensing from your mom that you needed to show up in that way. I mean, probably perfection, (laughs) Mm. but she had really high expectations of us.
0: And so uh, there wasn't a lot of slumming at the Hagen household, you know, like, I
1: mean, (laughs) really,
0: you know, my mom was parents of, well, what do you call that? First generation immigrants, whatever that came here. So I think a lot of that was instilled in her, like the really Mm -hmm. hard work, Fitting the norms, you know, because her family was trying to fit in and have the American life. And so I've never thought about this. I'm just spitballing here. But I think it was probably my expectations that I felt down from her and I wanted to meet them and I wanted to make her happy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I wanted her to be proud of me. And I never wanted her. This is fascinating. I never wanted her to feel like uncomfortable based on the way I was acting or my friends or anybody around us. I could
2: sense that. Mm, So powerful. I can relate to that in the sense of like protection, wanting to protect my parent, but also it's self-protection because it it's like, if they're uncomfortable, then I'm uncomfortable. So it's like, if I can avoid them feeling uncomfortable.
1: That's so spot on, Sarah, though, when you say that about, you know, the, the tone that I think specifically a mother sets in a home, like that trickles down, you know, so if what is that phrase? If mama ain't happy, nobody happy. Which (laughs) Uh, sounds
2: oppressive just itself, you know?
1: Yeah. But I definitely noticed that when I have had periods of high anxiety, how that shows up for my kids. And they definitely are more unsettled when I'm unsettled.
2: Isn't that interesting? that's exactly what I'm hoping to dissect even a little more, depending on how comfortable you all are sharing your personal experiences with this. Again, if we share our stories, it's, we want to share, but we also don't want to share more than we're comfortable with. Or again, if other people are involved, you know, like your kids, that's something to consider too. I was just going to share how I kind of view this mother wound through my relationship with my mom and my family. Because I was only four and a half, I feel like I've had to do a lot more investigating to figure out what the wounding could be. And when I look at her marriage to my dad, that seems like an indicator to me that there was a lot of kind of nurturing, caregiving responsibilities that she felt and again, these aren't like bad qualities. I think these are wonderful qualities. I, these are things I want to continue to cultivate in myself as well. But when it's to the detriment you know, of yourself and you're neglecting yourself in the process of fulfilling this, I think what really feels like an obligation, that's where it's potentially wounding. Like I said, I was told that my mom was extremely caring and nurturing and that was similar to her own mom and grandmother. And I believe that I inherited these traits as well. I think they're great qualities. I'm also aware that I inherited the tendency to neglect or ignore my needs. So this is why I am honestly so obsessed with self-care and self-love as an adult. It's this attempt to heal from all the time I was not tuning into my body and my needs. But this is where it feels tricky because it's, I wonder how much of this self-abandonment I'm describing developed as a result of losing my mom and the trauma around that because that's actually what I initially thought mother wound meant before we, you know, you, I, I got to learn through this series that it's much deeper than, I mean, losing my mom is a part of the mother wound, but it's so much more complex than that. It has taken me years of inner work and exploration to understand this kind of pattern that I'm describing. And I don't expect you all to have all these insights right away, but maybe this is something you have thought about before, but whether it is or isn't, like, what what is coming up for you when you think about your own mothers and what they valued and how they communicated these values to you and any sort of guesses or information you have as to why these things may have been so important to them. And then from there, I'm going to be curious to hear too how you feel like your own values may align with or not your moms and like how this has impacted you in a lot of different areas of life. I'm very curious specifically about parenting. Like you've touched on a little bit because that's like the next generation. And here we are actually looking at these patterns and I'm curious, did our moms and their moms ever wonder about these patterns? Are we the first to start? I don't know. It's interesting. So. I know you talked a little bit about it already, Shadia, but you know, if there's more, if anyone else has anything that's coming to mind, let's hear it. I mean, I'm
1: really uh, feeling this in my body right now. (laughs) I feel like I've talked about this quite a bit with my mom really focusing on everyone else but herself to the detriment of herself. And that, you know, my perception is, is that She found, that's where she found her value in the world, right? Where she was serving other people. She was being validated in that. And then, yeah, it it just was at her own expense. And, you know, when I look at her relationship with my father, he for sure had narcissistic tendencies I actually, you know, looked it up once in a in the book, in the big book, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, he's every single one. <laughs> but um I like I can't officially diagnose him, but I want to. But I think that certainly that dynamic certainly didn't help between them. And so it just exacerbated that pattern for her, where she had to constantly put my dad's interests and needs first. So that means he got his master's and his doctorate. And, you know, she she supported all of that and she never got to pursue the things that she wanted to because it was always about my dad and then but there was also some i don't want to say martyrdom but that is mm-hmm. what comes to my head it was also like well i i did this for him right mm-hmm. and so that may, means i mean something because i was able to do this for him right
2: exactly like this phrase like i am valuable when i and then fill in the blank
1: yeah yeah But I think what happened for me, and I just started thinking about this as we're talking, is like once my mom died, then I was that person in my dad's life. Right. So my older brothers were out of the house. So it was just me and my dad. And I ended up filling that role for him. You know, I think consciously. no, oh no. And I, I mean, I think I already was leaning in that direction anyway because of what I was seeing from my mom. But then I actually physically had to fulfill that role with my dad. I mean, it really messed me up, honestly. I was like completely his parent <laughs> after my mom died. Like I was talking to him or, or I could even say partner, maybe not parent, but almost in that weird. More like peer. Yeah, he would process things with me. and I mean, totally inappropriate. Totally inappropriate, and I took it on. Yeah, do you remember how you
2: felt about it at the time?
1: No, I, I, I was like, this is. I mean, I'm important, you know. Like, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have an awareness that it was inappropriate at the time at all. And actually, I think it really, it created a situation where I, again, not consciously, but I understood that this was how I was loved by my father. This is how I was accepted by my father. And so, I mean, it, it was just the natural thing to do. It felt completely normal. And I was good at it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was good at it. Well,
2: your generations, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like if we're thinking about this as like a, something yeah. that's been kind of developing through generations for some sort of purpose, it's like it has some sort of utility. Right. And I think too about your dad, who you're describing as having these narcissistic intense. I do think narcissism is a, Spectrum, and we're all on it to some degree, but it's yeah, I see that as an ego wound. The narcissism is an attempt to protect a very wounded 100% ego. So it's so interesting to think about the interplay of how these wounds almost served each other in a dysfunctional way.
1: 100%. 100%. I mean, I really came to a point much later in my life after he died being able to see my dad was this way because of his own experience, right? And this very hard life that he had. So the anger really dissipated because I was so angry for so long when I finally understood and accepted that. But I think then what ends up happening to your point, Sarah, where there's this, you're drawn to these people that perpetuate the pattern with you. So they perpetuate their pattern, you perpetuate yours, right? And yeah, I mean, it's amazing and also extremely hard to have awareness around and then also to consciously break those patterns. It's so much work.
2: Hmm. So much
3: work. Thank you so much for sharing that, Christine. Erin, yeah. Something that's been on my mind since just this episode with values and just like other things that I know to be true about the mother wound is I think a lot about the differences in how the mother wound shows up for those whose moms are dead like us versus those whose moms are still alive and so what what comes to my mind i don't know if anyone else feels this way so please this is just me in my own brain it appears to me the way that i felt about it in my life is that we talked about this like loyalty to your mom like wanting to please and like this Survival need to feel this love and everything, and I definitely felt that. I mean, she was my sole caregiver. She was a single mom, and she didn't really, she didn't have a lot of choice in it. And she showed up fully, like two hundred percent. And she was my sole caregiver, so that showed up in a big way for me. This loyalty, and yeah, as much as I maybe fought with her as a teenager, I had a lot of respect for that woman. I had a lot of respect for her. I didn't want to admit it sometimes, but I had a lot of fucking respect for her. And so what shows up for me in feeling it is I have this loyalty still to align my values with her, to feel what she would have felt, to think what she would have thought, to act in the way in which she would have acted or wanted me to. And I think that some people might think that, oh, if that parent is no longer here, you probably have this sense of freedom of like, You don't have this loyalty to them anymore, but I feel more of a pull towards the loyalty because she's not here because that's how I keep her alive. And that's where some of the toxicity comes in for me is defining, is this an actual value, a moral, a belief that I have? Is it mine because I so desperately want to hang on to her and her memory and have her in my life? Or is it mine? Is it mine? That's a really interesting insight. Subconsciously, my whole life, I have
2: felt basically like it reminds me of maybe how people think about religion and God, like you're always being watched kind of thing. Like I feel like because my mom was dead, that meant that she could see me all the time and she knew everything, even my thoughts. And that is a very troublesome. <laughs> that can be very troublesome because I've had to learn it's okay to think we can't control what we think and thoughts aren't bad. It's what we do with them that and all that. But yeah, I just, I think that's so, so fascinating what you're describing, Erin.
3: I also used to, and still maybe do sometimes, oh, if my mom could like see me making this mistake right now, or like, she probably can, that sort of a thing. And I wasn't nearly so young to have that sort of imagination behind it. But yes, I've thought that. And honestly- some of those instances where I go to that, especially when I was younger, like a teenager, very early 20s, getting myself out of really bad or dangerous situations because I think of that. I think about all the, some of the paths that dealing with the trauma or not dealing with the trauma put me down in my relationships with people. For example, I was involved in a very emotionally abusive relationship. And I think that that sort of a mindset of tuning into like, oh my God, where are my values toward myself? Where is my dignity toward myself? And thinking about my mom and what she had been through in her relationships and what she would want. I was like, fuck this. And it was, I truly think it was a catalyst for me to get out of something like that. And like various other things that I got myself into in my life. But yeah, I still think about that sometimes.
2: Yeah, like, are you saying like to envision
3: yourself through your mom's? perspective right or like well she can probably see me now like she's this omnipresent <laughs> once she died like she's just this omnipresent being who's stuck at the moment that she died and is watching me do all of these things and she's like mm, do you really want to do that Aaron? come on i still tune into that sometimes yeah i don't think nearly as hard as i did when i was younger but no i still tune into that sometimes that
0: voice yeah I so relate to that about thinking your mom can see everything. This is is, is ridiculous. But I remember making out with my boyfriend in high school and being, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe my mom could see this. But can she see this? I don't know if she can see this. I'm still going to do it. (laughs) Like on a more ridiculous note, but that I, yeah, I've never said that. Oh, I mean, I've never verbalized that, that I've thought that my mom can see what things that I'm everything
1: I'm doing. I'm gonna validate you in that, but I've, for me, I've I've taken it further than making out. You know, I'm gonna tell you, I definitely, I want you to know.
0: (laughs) Well, probably me too. That's why I was just keeping it PC for the audience. We're explicit.
3: I mean, I was keeping it uh, PC for my dad. (laughs) I don't think that I don't think that I've ever taken it that far into like how I am sexually. Maybe part of the reason is because. My mom died after I told her that I was sexually active. Mm. So maybe that's why there was never like she didn't die before I became sexually active Mm. or she didn't die not knowing that I was sexually active. We had a conversation about it and she knew about it for like a year. So maybe that's why. And I'm thankful because I'm like, I don't want to. I know. I'm like, what a gift. I don't want to bring that into my the, that part of my <laughs> life. So she's not omnipresent for that. <laughs>
2: lucky, you're, you're exactly lucky.
3: <laughs> I kind
1: of want to go back to what Erin was saying, though, because I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I'm not sure if it's because of this mother wound series, or if it's just because of other things that are have been happening in my life. Maybe it's a combination. But just thinking about some of the ways that I am in the world and trying to look back to see things that happened with my mom and how maybe she modeled things for me and acknowledging that some of it was unhealthy. And like that really, I mean, that's a connection, right? That feeling of not wanting to go there because of loyalty and because of wanting to honor her in this kind of idealistic view. but. Recognizing truly there was some shit I think that she hadn't dealt with, and not no blame there, just you're she's human, right, and certainly, of course, some of the ways that I'm in the world aren't have nothing to do with how my parents were in the world, right? but there are certain things that come up where I'm like, ah, I just i maybe I need to be more honest about how my mom be- reacted in similar situations and how that influences how I am,
2: Mhm. Yes. Shadi, I didn't know if you had something to add. Or were you going to say something a moment ago?
0: I was just going to add on a separate subject that my mom was a really quite a progressive woman. She went to college. She taught at a college. She was even before, I guess, maybe not women's rights were around, but like being from a small town, she was really progressive. She dressed progressively. She had strong feelings and personality and I mean respectful but like she she had that and I feel like I also have that and I think that's an amazing value and I'm sure other people maybe don't view it as that as well but I'm holding on to that that I'm and it's weird because my husband and I do have very much what's the roles like very stereotypical roles I'm inside the house he's outside the house like and I'm fine with that too but I think my inner soul of what my mom taught me was that I have a voice that I can do anything that a man can do. And that I need to be able to like voice my opinions and be a strong woman, which I love regardless of people not loving that or not. So that's awesome.
2: Maybe It's a wound.
0: It's a positive wound in my mind.
2: Well, and that's, again, with all, you know, we use terms like, like wounding, I don't want to imply is a inherently bad thing. It's very complex, I feel, but the, the words we use like healthy and dysfunctional to describe this stuff, I worry that it does kind of paint an, a negative light on, on all this. And really the goal is more so to just explore what was once very useful for people and it's not working anymore. Because like you're saying, like now we can create some sort of meaning and they can almost bring like a richness and add value to our life if we're able to look at them and really evaluate, like, does this ring true for me now? I think what it's making me think about, Shad, I so appreciate you
1: bringing up the values that have served you, right? And that hopefully will serve your daughters as well. And that, We are talking about this in the context of the mother wound. And, you know, I think this is a launching point for us to talk about it values not in the context of mother wound, where we can draw on these are the things that have empowered me, that have motivated me to be this person in the world because of who she was. And so maybe that's something we talk about
3: next series of mother love. Yeah,
2: I love it.
3: I was just going to say, I definitely feel everything that Christine and Shadia just said. Shadia going off of like what you're talking about, like you and your husband with these traditional roles and having this mother who's very progressive and you took those and you took those to heart and you live your life like that. Now I do that as well. And a lot of mine, I think, was just just modeled by her. Like She was very socially progressive and everything, very much all-inclusive, anti-homophobic, anti-racist. Everything very pro feminism and instilled all of that in me, despite us living in a very small town with a lot of people not feeling that same way. And her just saying, Well, fuck it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna adhere to this. I'm not gonna raise my daughter like that. However, I see it showing up for me now. So, like, I love these, but. I think that somehow after like her death and not being able to process with her, I take some of these things like those those values they've affected me negatively and let me explain to you why. So, as I mentioned in the last episode, our listeners know by now I'm 6 months pregnant and my partner and I were we're very excited whatever, we're also getting married next summer, very excited. I have spent a lot of time actively being in therapy to prepare myself. This is a very active choice. (laughs) And so like starting a family. So, and something that I've been processing in therapy is this potential to me not being for a certain amount of time in a traditional work role. So I spent my whole life seeing my mom do literally everything because she had to. Working, taking care of me, trying to pay for childcare, all these things, doing all roles, all parental roles. And so it's this unconscious thing now where if I were to slip into a traditional mothering role, I would feel ashamed. I'm not progressive enough. I'm not living up to what she modeled for me. And it's wild to me because there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. And I know that inherently. I've never judged other friends or other people. I don't believe that in whatever these roles look like. But for me, I judge myself so harshly when I think about that. But through processing it, I know if my mom didn't have to do it all, she wouldn't have. That was a lot of hard work. I don't have to do everything by myself. I have this partner who is so willing to help and is so willing to work around these things. And it's I'm adjusting to it and I'm I expect myself to struggle with it for a period of time in this. So that's something where these values were like somehow along the line, I've turned it into this really harsh coping mechanism for myself of, I have to be all these things. I have to do everything by myself. But it was modeled for me, not because she necessarily wanted to, it's because she had to, and I have different choices. I have different opportunities and different choices because of my partner, because of other choices that I've made, because of my circumstances. And it, is, it doesn't have to be the same as her. Coming to that point, though, of realization that it is a choice. Whew. But like, I'm like losing this loyalty to her. <laughs> it comes back and I'm just, it's, it's wild. It's wild. I have to share because
1: I feel like my mom was similar to, my mom grew up in Chicago, so not small town. But she definitely was impacted by the women's movement in the 70s. She was very progressive. And that was a shift for her because she grew up in a very staunch Lutheran family, very traditional gender roles. She was very attached to that. And it was a thing for her. I mean, I remember it being this powerful time as, as I started growing up in the 80s. And it was awesome. And, you know, I think that we don't necessarily know how our moms defined feminism or how, how, what being in the world as a woman means. And so in college, I actually thought about this quite a bit and came to a place of understanding that for me, it's about being a woman in the world and respected for whatever choice you make, right. Mm -hmm. So whether that's home, whether that's workplace or whatever, and also being compensated equally or whatever, like all, all those things. And I mean, I don't know if my mom would have defined it that way. But I want to share my, I always thought I was going to be a working mom. Okay. And then I had my daughter. I had no idea how motherhood would strike me. I don't know how I didn't, but I had no idea. And I was like, holy shit, I do not want to be away from my daughter. So it took two years for me to get to a place for Josh and I to get to a place where financially I was going to be able to be home and he was working. I was the breadwinner. So it wasn't possible yet when I first had her. And I remember my father actually saying to me, he was there visiting to meet Eden, my second, and he was like, What do you think your mom would think about you staying at home? And I said, I think she would be proud of me because I'm doing what I want to do. And he said to me, He actually said to me, Are you serious? I'm not sure about that. And I was like, Devastated. I was devastated. But I came to the realization that I truly believe my mom would have been so happy for me to be pursuing who I felt I was in the world. I mm-hmm. really believe that.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: And that, you know, again, these these values that we believe our moms had, of you know, that we think they're more progressive. And of course, that can be true. And also that we're just being respected for the choices that we make.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And often we're not. We're often not in this patriarchal society. We're not, which is like a key factor in these feelings that I've been feeling too. This hustle culture of, you know, you have to do everything and be everything. It's a symptom also of this overarching like patriarchal culture. And yes, I totally agree, Christine. My mom would just be stoked that I'm having a kid and I'm happy and like loving my life. She wouldn't give a shit. And I know that, but it's been a struggle to get to that point, you know, of Okay. Am I losing loyalty to her? Am I blah, blah, blah. Am I living up to what she wanted for me? Is this, it's been a struggle to get here. And I know it will continue to be a, a struggle, but I wanted to get that out there. Cause like, I've held a lot of shame around that and like continue to fall back into that. But yeah, that's been a big thing for me. And I, I know there are other people out there, whether your mom is alive or not, probably feel similar way into these life choices that you're making.
2: If you think about what you're both describing, it sounds like unconditional love, love without conditions, mm-hmm. which we talk about as being this foundation and something that we, this expected. Parents are expected to show their children unconditional love, but it's hard. I think it's a lot harder than people are even willing to acknowledge sometimes. I think a lot of people struggle with showing love without conditions and it's not necessarily an intentional choice. It's because some of this wounding hasn't been looked at because it's like, if I believe I'm not worthy, how am I going to pass that worthiness on to you? And this is just me again spitballing. I don't want anyone to take this as like fact, but things to be thinking about. And I know we've thrown a lot out there for you all to let simmer and to reflect on more in terms of what the values are that that were really demonstrated in your family of origin and by your mothers specifically, and through that kind of matriarchal lineage, looking at grandmothers. And if you haven't, I encourage you to take the time to do some exploring, you know, if you're open to it interview family members. It's a great way to get to know people in your own family in different ways and feel more connected and also have a better understanding of how you are in the present today. What environments, what circumstances came before you and now what are you holding that might not be all of yours to hold? I do like to wrap up with something like a takeaway or something to offer. And this conversation for me brings up the need to give some sort of guidance or advice on how people can identify their values in the present. How do you figure out what's important to you? For me, meditation and yoga, I know that sounds very stereotypical, but just like getting quiet allows things to come forth in my brain that otherwise it would be too noisy to even really let come through. So I'm curious if any of you have any tips for our listeners on ways that you found helpful to kind of hone in on your own values and, and maybe you haven't and that's okay too.
1: I just will always return to listening to my intuition. It's usually always spot on. (laughs) How can you tell? I think it, yeah, I
2: think it's just how things show up in my body. There's a knowing. Yeah. Which is another practice tuning into the body and starting to pay attention to these signals so it's that could be a place to start for some people it's just noticing how feelings show up in the body i'm with you christine i it's not something that i like sit down and
0: process like what are my values but i think it's just part of my my inner knowing as glennon doyle likes to say and just my gut feeling on like who i am what I want to share with the world, like who I want to give to the world. I don't know. So it probably should be something that I more sit down and really think about. I just haven't, I haven't put words to my values yet, I guess.
2: Again, it's like, that's just one way of communicating them is verbally. I imagine if you just observe, you know, your own life, you look around, what you value is around you. I, I won't go into your life for you, but you've, You've done a lot of cool things, (laughs) and Erin, I feel like you just have so much knowledge of trauma in the body and just feelings in the body.
3: Yeah, well, I feel like that's how I've operated my my whole life, even before my mom died. I mean, I think back to me being very heavily involved in dance and the performing arts; those were coping mechanisms for me, great ones, love them. I also had a lot of fun doing them, but oh man. Probably one of the best things I could ever do. And I still continue that with yoga, as Sarah mentioned as well, but also just feeling intuition in my body and getting in tune with that. That that took practice and it took a lot of trust, like trusting in myself. But yeah, I think I don't necessarily sit down and think about my values, but when they pop up in the moment, I try to catch myself and slow down and just ask myself, okay, where is this idea coming from? Where is this judgment coming from? Is it coming from me or from an outside source? And if I feel it's coming from an outside source, why am I letting it in? Yeah, do I need to? Yeah, yeah. I, I try and slow down and I try and be curious about those own thoughts or those own judgments that come up around values or choices that I'm making. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, like
2: giving yourself the time and space to even observe and notice and acknowledge what's coming up. And I think honestly, just by listening to this podcast, you know, you all are doing just that you are creating space, you know, carving out an opportunity to reflect on some really deep and oftentimes painful things. Thank you so much for listening this week, everyone. And thank you to my incredible co-host for your continued willingness to show up and be vulnerable I know this is meaningful to me and certainly to our listeners as well. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We release new content every other Tuesday. In our next episode, which is the third installment of our four-part series on the mother wound, we'll be exploring the concept of body image. You can listen wherever you stream your podcasts, and you can also find us online at piecesofupodcast.com and on Instagram and Facebook at piecesofupodcast.com. If you love our pod, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would so mean the world. Take care of yourselves and remember, if we work together, we can make the broken, you say it, better. When you feel like you need glue to put back pieces of you, then we will work together Make the broken better When the wounds are fresh and new And you don't think that they'll heal soon You gotta stay open If you share your story It will get better Though it doesn't feel